I'm Julia Carolyn Zeng, and this is SEO in 2024. Julia, what's your number one SEO tip for 2024? I recommend for 2024 to keep an even closer eye on the SERPs because they are dynamically changing and especially with the integration of AI. Google is testing a lot and I expect to see lots of changes coming there. Okay, dynamically changing. So what specifically are we looking for in the SERPs? So we already have the knowledge graph and featured snippets and we've seen over the last few weeks some some fancy widgets looking with like tiles and images pulling in where you can click on the image and then it opens the actual links to content and all these things I recommend keeping an eye on because it um, will have an impact on click-through rate on the data that you get in general out of Google Search Console, for example, because if Google suddenly displays an image, that's still an impression for you but there might not be displayed your actual content. And um, it becomes also more important to look at things like what is the intent here, informational, commercial, what does Google show the user? And can we maybe explain by looking at the SERPs why somebody is clicking on it or not clicking on it? And then at the same time, Google seems to be doing a lot of testing over the last few weeks I've seen, and I expect this to be continuing until they found out um, how to best integrate AI in the SERPs, because I've seen lots of things coming up and then disappearing again a few weeks later, and then something else comes up and again it disappears. So in general, what I've been saying a lot to my clients over the last three months, I would say, is this is what I'm seeing right now in the SERPs. I show a screenshot, then I say, but hold off, don't do anything yet, because Google might change this again. One thing that I found quite interesting where I was speculating a bit about when I saw this with the, um, I think the query that I put in was like the best internal communication tools. And then Google um, had these, this grid of tiles displayed where you saw all the logos of communication software. And when you clicked on it, then it gave you three options for articles to read. And I was wondering how does a user really interact with these new things coming up in the SERPs. What can we expect? Do they see a company logo, open a new tab, and then search for that company name? Do they really click on the image and then click on one of the articles? Or do they just scroll over it because they think it's an ad and get to the first organic result? We don't know. And also Google doesn't know. And this is what might impact why Google is changing things again after a few weeks. So obviously several years ago, we just had the 10 blue links, maybe a few paid ads on top. It was fairly consistent in terms of yeah. what we expected to see on, on the SERP. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's been many changes. Are you saying that Google is going through a flux of testing at the moment in order to hopefully land on something that will be more consistent in the future? Or do you see this constant flux being the new norm? I think it will be a bit of a mix of it. I have the impression that at the moment there is a lot of testing going on, but we already have a lot of personalization and um, geography and all these things embedded in, in the SERPs. So when I search for something, I might already see something completely different than what you're seeing right now if you search for the same term based on things you've been searching before, personal interests and so on. And this, in my opinion, will not go away 
because that is what makes Google the most used search engine, that the search results are just so relevant for the individual searching. So I don't think um, these things will go away. So it will never be aesthetic. These are the 10 links that come up for the search query. Mm. <laughs> there will always be the featured snippets and different features being pulled out for different individuals searching and so on. But I expect that the the heavy testing that I'm seeing the last few weeks will stop at some point once once Google has a bit more clarity on how to integrate AI and machine learning into the SERPs. And something you mentioned a couple of moments ago was um, intent. And I guess that led me to think of the importance of Google serving up different results, potentially according to their perceived intent of the particular uh, uh, query that um, uh, someone was searching for. Um, so does that mean that um, you need to be optimizing your pages based upon intent and incorporating different elements depending on the intent? Yes, and that, that is already the case. That, that doesn't um, even seem like a new tip for me anymore for 2024 because I've been recommending this for the past, I would say, two years to look more at what is the intent behind the keyword and what type of content should you create to serve that intent. What I'm seeing more lately with the changes in the SERPs and heavier use of featured snippet and knowledge graphs is that informational queries get less and less clicks. So we see then when we look at the, the data for a website, oh, clicks are going down. And then you look at it and it's like, yeah, but, but we're still ranking first position. We have the featured snippet. And this is something we have been discussing in the SEO industry for years. But now I see it really starting to have a heavy impact on the data when I do like my reporting for my clients to really say, and then clients ask, okay, so shall we stop producing this informational content? Yeah. But I think it is still important to have that informational content and to have that brand visibility on the SERPs is what I call it, because it is what makes the internet perceive you as an expert in your field. If you explain certain terminology, if you have, for example, a glossary on your website, it, it makes the, the whole package of what your website offers more authoritative and really displays you as an expert to have that. And then again, if you have to feature it snippet, even if nobody clicks on it, I would say at least half of the people that see it recognize your brand name there. And then if they see it again coming up for another query, they search a few days later. It kind of stays in their memory. So from your perspective, what is good informational uh, content? Is it help content in relation to the type of industry that you happen to operate in? How broad, in your opinion, can you go with your informational content? So that really depends on the industry and what you're trying to achieve, what products you're selling, what you're really specifying of what, what your speciality is, also who your target audience is. One really big industry I've, I've been working with the past few years is cyber security. And now I have a client in um, threat intelligence. And there we see a lot of overlap. But then it's like, okay, on the threat intelligence, it is not only cybersecurity. So how much of these cybersecurity related terms should we really explain on the website? Because if you explain too much of just cybersecurity and you leave out other threats that could be out there, like manifestations, um, protests, war, all these things are threats. 
that need to be also embedded in threat intelligence. And then we say, if we focus only on the terms for cybersecurity, the internet will see us as an expert in cybersecurity and not in threat intelligence. So these are the things you always need to, and these are, they're specific for every industry. So let's talk a little bit more about the SERP and how you think users will be utilizing the SERP in the future and how that impacts SEO, how that impacts websites as well. So obviously you mentioned the fact that you feel that the SERP is changing an awful lot at the moment. Uh, We're possibly moving towards an AI-driven SERP with uh, Google offering more room on the top of the page for AI results. If that's the case, what does that mean for changes in consumer behavior and how SEOs need to adapt? So that, that is exactly what we need to keep an eye on, how much of it is AI. And um, I have a friend who's also an SEO consultant who says, well, the only thing that things like ChatGPT are trying to achieve or going to achieve is take the rubbish and create even more rubbish out of it. <laughs> and um, there, there's some truth to it because it is kind of demotivating for content writers to write good content, to invest a lot of time and research. If somebody else is just taking a ChatGPT created content that is essentially just taken from already existing sources. So one question is, what does Google do or is going to do to remove that that barrier to kind of say, hey, content writers, it is still worth for you and website publishers to produce quality content, to do individual research, to do maybe surveys and, and these things and have new data and create amazing content out of it because that's also in Google's best interest. But how are they going to do that? Based on that, I don't think the SERPs will ever be 100% AI generated. I think there will always be a link to individual content and um, already the the extent that Google is using um, kind of machine learning by pulling out these featured snippets out of content, that, that might stay. But I don't think we will see SERPs that are 100% just AI. There will always be original content featured somewhere, somehow, because that's what, what um, provides quality and originality. That's the right word so, here. So, so, so we're told that a lot of um, the younger audience prefer to go to a platform like TikTok to get their search results nowadays. So does... The fact that um, you think that Google aren't going to change massively in terms of how the SERP operates, does that not mean that perhaps the existing audience is going to stay using the text-based Google form, but um, younger audiences are maybe more likely to be utilizing ChatGDP and uh, and AI directly to get their answers? I think it depends on the industry and the topic. And especially TikTok is a video-heavy platform. It lives off video. And we already see that also in the SERPs that for certain how-to queries, like things like how to clean your kitchen sink, you get a list of YouTube videos displayed in the SERPs. So the, the, the video is already there. And I think it will be a similar discussion like we had, I think, six, seven years ago about voice search, where everybody was like, yeah, the whole industry is going to move to voice search and everything will be, will be voice search driven. But that is only true for certain queries. I mean, if I'm out on the street and I need 
Google Maps to give me a direction. Yeah, it's handy if I can just, hey, tell me, where's this shop? But if I'm at home on my laptop and I really need in-depth information about something, people are still reading content. So I think there will be a bit of a shift. There might be more video for certain things, but there will be other things where it is still written content. And I don't think TikTok will completely take over these, these older, more established platforms and shapes of content we see. It's still all about intent, listener. That's yeah. the uh, the key word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, just in terms of the amount of content that is being produced by AI, what impact does this have on copyright, on, on protecting your own IP? Um, wh- what are your thoughts on that? So that is another thing why I think Google is um, quite cautious with doing it and mostly testing because there have been these these big lawsuits over the last few weeks. I'm sure we've all heard of what's going on there, especially with copyright. And that was also one of my my big concerns right from the start when everybody was like, oh, chat GTP and it will take over the web and everything will be just AI generated content. I was like, "Mm, hold on. I have a feeling that there will come also some legislation, some laws uh, at some point that might... um, prevent that. And we already had um, Italy a few months ago banning ChatGPT for a few weeks. I was surprised that it was Italy <laughs> and not not my home country, Germany, <laughs> where we're usually big on, on data protection and these things. So that that is another thing to keep an eye out on. And I'm sure Google had the technology for years. They probably could have been the first to release something like that, but there must be a reason why they didn't. And I think that is exactly because of all these legal questions that are at the moment still unsolved in a bit of a gray area. So if an SEO is struggling for time, what should they stop doing right now so they can spend more time doing what you suggest? So what, one thing I see too many people still obsessing with is title text and meta descriptions. I'm not saying that they're not important. They are. But... If you get a list of, here are 200 URLs from your website where the title tag is too long or too short, or there's a meta description missing, now rewrite these. That, in my opinion, is a waste of time because that won't get you the results you're trying to achieve. In most cases by now, Google is overwriting title tags and meta descriptions dynamically to match the user's intent more. So if Google overwrites this, it doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong with your current title tag. It just means that the algorithm thought in that moment, hey, if I present this title tag, it is actually more relevant and shows the user that this content talks about more than what is in the title tag only. And then when somebody pulls such a list of these 200 URLs, I would always recommend check it, what are these pages? Maybe there's something else that's wrong with these pages too. Like if a page doesn't have a title tag, it might also be that there is no content at all on the page or maybe the page has a no index tag or is canonicalized or something like that shouldn't exist in the first place. So so take a look at that first and then check these pages where some tool tells you that something might be wrong with the title tag. Check if there's actually something wrong. Because a page can rank without an optimized title tag. And if it ranks well for the right keywords, why spend time updating the title tag and that meta description if there is nothing else that you can improve? And 
in my opinion and based on my experience, if something is really wrong with the title tag and the meta description and the page doesn't rank, you need to look at more than just the metadata because there might be outdated content, there might be images missing, or so many things could be wrong with that page as well. So in the way how I always use these these lists of URLs is here's something to look at in terms of what are these pages, what is their purpose, and do they even need to be there? So, and then see what do we need to update on these pages. And instead of then going through a list of 200 URLs where you update title text, go through a list of 200 URLs that say these pages need attention. Now let's prioritize and then work on those pages that actually have value in terms of what is the keyword here, what traffic could it bring, and what is the value also for the business if we get traffic to this page. Oh, you mentioned value a couple of times there. An awful lot of value in what you delivered there, what you shared there. Julia Carolyn Zhang is an SEO consultant at Charlie on the Move, and you can find her over at charlieonthemove.com. Julia, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2024. Thank you. I've been your host, David Bain. Get your copy of SEO in 2024, the book, over at seoin2024.com. <laughs>